has already been mentioned, it's going to, uh, it's going to get worse and worse. It's going to have situations that occur, and it doesn't matter. Uh, you know, you can say, well, uh, politically, economically, I don't know. I think as we near the coming of the Lord, men, mankind is doing all they can to uh, solve and rectify all the problems they can and rather than to repent and humble themselves and say, Lord, we need your help. And that's the, the big uh, thing in this hour is that sense of, Lord, we need you to uh, turn your face toward us and, and help us in some manner. And um, I know we're glad, um, as I said, that the Armstrongs are here. They are planning on being baptized in Jesus' name today at the end of service. And there may be others. And I, I realize that we are growing apostolic legacy. And that means that we are growing, we are apostolic in doctrine and belief and uh, understanding, and that we uh, uh, have a great history and a great legacy that is here in this church for over a hundred years, and we appreciate <coughs> that. Uh, longevity. And so today I'm going to talk about making a covenant with Jesus. And I say that and I, I realize that uh, those words covenant are not words that we use a lot. Uh, we, we talk about um, <clears throat> getting into a uh, legal contract. We talk about uh, getting into uh, a, a some, uh, you know, a, a, a binding contract of some sort. Maybe it's a marriage. Maybe it's a, uh, you know, buying a piece of property or doing something. And we, we talk about those kinds of words all the time. And yet, in reality, those are forms of a contract, a covenant. And those sense of uh, having a covenant with Jesus. And I realized that when we, and I mentioned not last Sunday, I was in Virginia, but uh, when the Sunday before last, the first Sunday of the year, talking about a new year, uh, going back to Genesis, the third chapter, and the Lord God said unto the serpent, because you've done this, you're cursed, and he says, I will put enmity, I will put enmity, I will put hatred, I will put hostility, I will put this between you and the woman's seed. So this was not a battle. You may say, well, I want to be neutral. I want to be Swiss. I want to, uh, I just want to have no enemies. I don't like the conflict. I want to avoid all fights. I don't want to have any issue. I'm, I'm here to tell you that because of Genesis, the third chapter, you are going to be in a fight for your spiritual well-being. Like it or not. Now you can say, well, I, I'm not, uh, I'm okay. I, I don't need, uh, I'm not depressed. I'm not anxious. I'm not, uh, well, let me just tell you, if after uh, nine months of COVID, you're not fearful or anxious or worried or depressed, 
or you haven't had some of those thoughts. I read an article the other day. I, 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 I caught my eye, the headlines, because I thought, this is wild. And it said that the unwritten about pandemic that's been happening in America. Maybe you all have all read about it. But it's called the broken toe pandemic. There's been a 60% increase of individuals going to the doctor this past nine months with broken toes. It said, we don't know what's causing people to break their toes. Is it that they're staying at home and they're not putting their shoes on and stumbling around the house? Or what's causing it? But why? 60%? I immediately went and put my shoes on. I didn't have shoes on. I was reading an article. I said, oh Lord, I don't want to avoid the broken toe pandemic. Believe it or not. Now, I know you may say, well, I, that's, you know, just ludicrous. But, uh, you know, I guess it's real. They've got numbers on it. And I'm just so thankful they sent out an article so I could read it and, and go get my shoes on immediately. But, you know, you say, well, oh, but pastor, I, I'm in this this thing where I, I don't know what's going on. Well, this battle was established by God. Jeremiah, the prophet, and I've been teaching in uh, Isaiah to our hyphen group, but Jeremiah said, and I read these last two weeks ago, the days cometh the Lord when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel. A new covenant. I will do this. And he says, not according to my law and not according to the old covenant, but I will, again, I will, I will put my law. I will put it, I will, I will be their God. They shall be my people. I will forgive their iniquities. I will remember their sin no more. So the same voice that said that I will put enmity between you and the enemy is the same voice that said through the prophet Jeremiah, I am going to heal that breach and I'm going to forgive your sins. All that he's doing. And so yet when we read in there six times there, Ezekiel, the 36th chapter, Old Testament reference again says, I don't do this for your sakes, O house of Israel, but for my name's sake I am doing this. And then he goes through in just four or five verses, 12 times, I shall be sanctified. I will. I will bring you. I will. I will. I will. I will bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle you with clean water. And you shall be clean from your filthiness and from your idols. Notice that phrase. Sprinkle you with clean water. I will. I cleanse you. A new heart will I give you. A new spirit will I put in you. I will take away your stony heart out of your flesh. I will give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and I will cause you to walk in my statutes and keep my judgments and do them. Twelve times <clears throat> this was discussed by God in the, in the Old Testament. Of course, we know Jesus came, born in a manger, and lived and died on <clears throat> Calvary and all that we have. And of course, Simon Peter, who had denied the Lord, stands up 
in the Acts, the second chapter, and they are receiving the, they have just been tearing in the upper room. They've received the Holy Ghost. They came out speaking in other tongues. They are worshiping God. People are hearing them. And you know the birth of the early church in Acts, the second chapter. Powerful experience of God. And they, Simon Peter stands up and begins to minister and begins to preach. And he says, you men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as you yourself also know him. No, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. You have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it is not possible that he should be holding of it. And he keeps, you can read his entire sermon, great sermon, and, 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 and he goes on, and then he culminates it by saying, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now he's been preaching to them about this new covenant. And when they heard this, they were <coughs> pricked in their heart. And of course, at this time, the Jews had never been allowed to go any further than the altar of repentance, than the brazen altar. They had never been allowed to go to the labor of water. John the Baptist was the, one of the first that all of a sudden said, wow, we can baptize you, but he said, I'm going to baptize you unto repentance. It was an act of symbolism that said you have indeed not only brought a sacrifice, but you have humbled yourself and repented. And so now, all of a sudden, Simon Peter just expands it a little bit. For he says, this, you've made that same Jesus that you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what should we do? Then Peter said unto them, of course all the apostles were there. Matthew was there, Mark was there, John was there, Luke was there. You can read it, Nathaniel was there. All of the apostles were there, save Judas who had hung himself. And they had already elected in Acts 1 a new apostle to take his place. But Peter stood up in the midst of them and said, repent that sense of humbling yourself, that sense of, of asking God to forgive you, of acknowledging that you have a need in your life. That's what repentance is all about. It's not a long, drawn-out affair. And I know, you know, the Bible, one verse says, bring forth fruit and meats for repentance. Obviously, repentance means a turning. It means to change your direction. Means that sense of humbling yourself and saying, God, I need you in my life. And then he said, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Why all of a sudden now, baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Why that aspect of it? Was it that important to the early church? Was it that important to what they believed? Absolutely, it was vital to what they believed. 
When you read, you can read through the book of Acts. In the 8th chapter of the book of Acts, Philip is going down to Samaria. And the Bible says, what did he preach? He preached Christ to them. Why? Because he wanted them to know that Jesus Christ was died and was buried and rose again and because of that you going down into water identifies with his death burial and resurrection it is your way of getting into covenant with Jesus it is as if I am in fact being buried dying of my old life I am rejecting you know my I'm going to do it my way I've got it all figured out. I know what to do. I know how to handle it. I'm able. I and saying, Lord, I want you to take charge of my life. And it's that sense of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of being baptized into Jesus. Now I understand. We talk about the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now I'm not going to I'm not going to dwell on the gift of the Holy Ghost, but, you know, it's one thing to be into Jesus. It's another thing to have Jesus in you. And that's what the Holy Ghost is all about. If you just kind of want to make it simple. It's one thing to have, I'm going into Jesus. It's another thing to have Jesus into me. And so, in fact, what Philip preached was, he said, <coughs> preached unto them in Samaria, and they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then all of a sudden, in the midst of this revival of people being baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, you keep reading in Acts the 8th chapter, all of a sudden he swooped out of the way into the wilderness where he stands and sees a, an Ethiopian eunuch coming by, having left Jerusalem. And this man is reading in Isaiah, the Old Testament, where it says that there's going to come a time when the Lord is going to open the door to everybody. And given the fact that this man was a eunuch, he would not be allowed into the temple. He was not allowed to go into the temple because of his physical status. And so he was reading and he had been in Jerusalem. He had been there celebrating Passover. But the only thing he could do was stand outside and watch and long for the day that I could go into the tabernacle, the temple rather. I wish I could go in there. I can't. I'm a Jew. I'm a practicing Jew. I've come all the way from Ethiopia to Jerusalem, but there is no way I can get into the tabernacle, the temple. I can't go inside. I'm outside. So he's reading where Isaiah says there's going to come a time when there's going to be a way that everybody, it doesn't matter who you are, can come inside the, the very temple of Almighty God. And he's reading that. And all of a sudden, boom, Philip appears. You can read it in Acts 8 chapter. It's like, you know, so pre-Star Wars or, or teleport uh, transportation. All the way happened, all the way back in Acts 8 chapter. And he stands there and Philip says, wow, do you know what you're reading? And the guy says, I, I, he, begin to, he says, I don't know. So Philip began to preach 
preach right there from that scripture. And the Bible says, as you read on, that he preached unto him Jesus. Why? Because what he was saying is, by getting into Jesus, you are able all of a sudden to get into the very presence of Almighty God that was supposed to be in the temple. And they were, they were coming by and there was water. And the eunuch said, well, see, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, if you believe in your heart, then you may. And he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down into the water and he baptized them. Getting into the covenant, into the covenant with Jesus comes through baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus. I know, you know, you say, well, did they, were they obsessed with Jesus? Yes, they were. And when you, when you, you hear, I, many years ago was in Rome and, and, and I was amazed. We were in the catacombs and we were looking at all of the, you know, the places where Christians had been killed and all of these things. And, and, and I was amazed at one of the guides. And, and he said, he said I, I must remind you that no Christians were killed because they believed in Jesus. He said there was none that were killed because they believed in Jesus. No Christians were killed because they believed in Jesus. It wasn't about Jesus that they just believed in Jesus. He said the Romans were willing to accept Jesus as another God. He said they had accepted all the Greek gods. The only reason they were killed was because they would not accept all the other gods. That it was just Jesus and nothing else. They would not accept Caesar as the voice of God. They would not accept any. It didn't matter who it was. It wasn't that they were against Caesar. It's that one day I got into a covenant with Jesus. Now he is going to be the Lord of my life. Now he is going to be the one that I follow. That's why when Paul preached in Romans, he said, I preach unto you the gospel of Jesus Christ. You read what Paul said in Corinthians. He said very similar thing. He said, we preach Christ crucified and, and, and it's a stumbling block to the Jews and to the Greeks it's foolishness but he said I am determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified oh when Simon Peter went and, and, and he had to be convinced to go to the Gentiles to uh, Cornelius and, and in the 10th chapter and, and they begin to preach to the Gentiles for the first time and the Bible says as the Holy Ghost fell on them and they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. That was the supernatural part. They, they, were, they had Jesus in them at that point. But Simon said, you know what? Not only do I want you to have Jesus in you, but I want you to get into Jesus. What did he say? Basically he said, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Of course, in the 16th chapter, you remember the story, Paul and Silas in jail. They've been beaten, their feet are in stocks. And all of a sudden they begin to sing and praise the Lord. And the earthquake happens and the doors bust open. And the jail is, is all of a sudden just the doors are swinging open. And the jailer grabs a sword and he's fixing to kill himself because he knows that if he has all of these folks escape, 
His life will have to be forfeited. And he's about to fall on his sword. Paul says, whoa, wait. And Paul took that moment to say, wait a minute. I think we were sent here maybe to preach to you. Don't kill yourself. You need to believe on the Lord. He said, well, what do I do? He said, believe on the Lord. And the Bible says that that very night they took the, Paul and Silas, the jailer, took them that same hour, washed their stripes. Now here are guys that have been in stocks. They've been beaten. They've been brutalized physically. They've gone through an earthquake. They prevented a suicide. We can at least wait till morning. Maybe next week. Paul said, that very hour, I want to make sure you're baptized into Jesus. You believed, you repented. I want you baptized into the name of Jesus. In Colossians, Paul wrote and told him, For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, in whom you are circumcised. That's the, the form of the Jewish covenant. He said that, that it becomes a circumcision that for the Christian, with the circumcision made without hands, putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Buried with him in baptism. Buried with him in baptism. Whereby you are risen with him through faith in the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. Oh, you say, but pastor, is it that vital? Paul told him in Romans the 6th chapter, Know ye not that as many as were baptized into Jesus were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism. That's why we are baptized baptizing somebody in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are putting them into covenant with Jesus Christ. And you say, well, is that, that's what Paul said and that's what Peter said and that's what others said. Jesus himself used the word when he said, he said, for this is my blood of the New Testament when he was getting ready to celebrate the final Passover with his disciples. Right before his crucifixion, in the 24 hours before he's going to be crucified and died, he said, this is my blood of the New Testament, which was shed for many for the remission of sins. Remission. Ephesus. In the Greek, hit blueletterbible.org and hit Remission. It's a Greek word. It means the release, the pardon, the forgiveness. That's why it becomes covenant. Just like we are planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. This word remission here, Ephesus, means release, pardon. It's the very word that was used in Acts the 2nd chapter and in Acts the 10th chapter when they said you'll be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus for that 
remission, emphasis of sins, the release of your sins, the pardon of your sins, the doing away of your past, of your sins. It all of a sudden happens in a covenant with the Lord Jesus Christ. <coughs> in fact, Whenever Jesus got ready to preach his first sermon, he turned to the book of Isaiah. You can read the quote from Luke, the fourth chapter. It's also in Matthew. They handed him a scroll and he opened it up to the Isaiah and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is on, upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, sent me to heal the brokenhearted, and to preach deliverance. That word deliverance there is Ephesus. The, the Ephesus to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty. Ephesus again. He said, he's preached me, Ephesus to the captives, Ephesus to those that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. The acceptable year of the Lord was talking about the year of Jubilee. What is the year of Jubilee? The year of Jubilee was celebrated by the Jews when every 50th year, seven sevens, every seventh year was a Sabbath year. And when they got seven sevens, 49, the 50th year was the year of Jubilee. What happened on the year of Jubilee? Immediately, all indebtedness was set. Released. If you sold, sold yourself as an indentured bond slave, servant, all of a sudden you walked out the door. On the year of Jubilee, everything was released. Everything was forgiven. All indebtedness. It didn't matter if you'd sold your home. You went back. You got the keys. You became the new landowner of your home. And Jesus, three times, he said, I'm going to preach the, the release, the forgiveness to the captives, the release, the forgiveness to those that are bruised, and the acceptable year of the Lord. That's a great covenant that we have by being into Jesus is that sense of everything is all of a sudden new. I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away and all things become new. You say, well, does that help you any? Yeah. And because when the enemy tries to come in and attack you and say, well, you've messed up. You've done wrong. You've, you're not worthy. You don't have any business. I'm in covenant with Jesus. And he makes me worthy. You don't make me worthy. He makes me worthy. All of a sudden, because I went down into Jesus, I have that sense of Ephesus. That's what, what are you talking about? Remission. Ephesus. And he said unto them in Luke, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day. And that repentance, humbling myself, and remission 
of sins. What is that? That word there, and I, I didn't want to go into it and confuse you, but it's a hamartia. It, it, the Greek word, it means all the sins of our humanity should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. What are you saying? The, the hamartia in Romans, the fifth chapter says, through one man, sin, death, entered into everybody because all have sinned. The only way to break the sin and the enmity that was caused all the way back in the garden. The hamartia is to say, I need to get into covenant with Jesus. Not because of who I am, not because of my goodness, but because of who he is. That covenant all of a sudden supersedes everything else. When the enemy tries to lay something at your doorstep, when the enemy tries to attack you mentally and emotionally, when the enemy tries to say, well, you were, you were raised as an alcoholic, a drugger. You, you can't break those genes. That's who you are. You say, but I got a new covenant. And it was for remission to set at liberty. That's why, and I know, you know, I, we talk about it. Simon Peter said it. Philip preached it. They did it to Cornelius. I, I didn't read even all the references. Church in Ephesians and Acts, the 19th chapter, they, they they asked the believers, they said, how were you baptized? And they said, under John's baptism, under repentance. Paul said, well, that's not enough. You need to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And they were rebaptized. The name of the Lord Jesus. Why? Because you're getting remission. You're getting a contract, a covenant with Jesus. So that it does not require that I go back and be rebaptized every week. I, I all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But once I have been baptized, I come up. I am now in a marriage covenant with the Lord. And that in a moment of being attacked, being beaten up mentally and emotionally, I can say, in Jesus' name. That spirit of anxiety and guilt, shame, I will not be ashamed. One day, I got a contract, and I signed a contract with the guy that died for my sins. I went down in the death, burial, and resurrection. And because of that contract, I want you to understand, you can't lay anything at my charge been set free by the blood of the Lamb. I was in Jesus. Oh, you say, oh, pastor, I, I, it's my humanity. It's who I am. You know what? You want to get power to conquer your humanity? Not only do you need to get into Jesus, but let me just tell you, you can get resurrection power inside you. That's how you conquer the old flesh on a daily basis. 
Does that mean that you still don't, you still need the Holy Ghost? Absolutely. Why? Because, you know, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, power, spirit, fear, and anxiety. It'll make you slip on your shoes when you're sitting there reading an article about the broken toe pandemic. Oh God, I'm in trouble. Say, well, what's going on? I'm in covenant relationship with the Lord Jesus. Let's stand. Hallelujah. If you've never been baptized, today's a good day to get baptized in Jesus' name. You've never received the Holy Ghost. You've never gotten Jesus in you. Today is a good day to get Jesus in you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you want to come, we'll pray with you. You're welcome to come in the name that's above every name in Jesus' name.